incredibly clear about get-rich-quick schemes. And in fact, uh, it, it reads like this. It's in uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. It says this, Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappear. Wealth from hard work grows. And so I'm not talking about getting uh, financially rich because uh, all of you uh, would be able to sniff out baloney in a New York second. Uh, But what I am talking about is getting rich in a completely different perspective, a much more important way, and in a way that lasts for eternity. Let me read it to you. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 14, it reads like this. This is Paul speaking. Paul was a preacher just like me, except way better. And uh, he had an anointing on his life to oversee other churches and preach to them. And uh, he wrote this letter uh, to the church of Philippi, and it reads like this. He goes, Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you, Philippians, know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Now, here's the, this sentence right here is the entire premise of this series. Watch this. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. And so what he's saying here is every single time you give, it is going into an eternal account, a heavenly account. Now raise your hand if you have a checking account, a savings account, any kind of account like that, a piggy bank, whatever. Um, When you think about what you have in that account, that's how I want you to think about your heavenly account. And what the Bible is saying here is every single time you give, it gets attributed to your account. So if you were to stand in front of Jesus within the next five minutes, if your heart were to just stop beating, you would stand before Jesus and you guys would talk about a lot of things. But one of the things that he would share with you is your account. And maybe you have never been exposed to this scripture. You didn't even know you had an account. And so you would be incredibly surprised when you get up there when you were a little kid and you gave, you know, a quarter away to your best friend or you gave things away. You don't even know all these years you've been contributing to this account, And uh, have you ever put on a pair of pants and reach in your pocket and you pull out like 10 bucks? It's like, ah! It's like you can see $10 in your wallet or in your purse and it's just like, it's just $10. But you pull out $10 that you didn't know you had? Ah, rich! I don't know what it is about money that you didn't know you had. And, and that's what heaven's going to be like. There's, there's things, there's gifts, there's things that have been stored up for you you didn't even know you had. Heaven is going to rock. 
You know, all the thoughts that you're a despicable person because of this or because of that, that's the enemy talking to you. I'm telling you that when you get to heaven, Jesus has been waiting for you to come your entire life. And when you get up there, he's going to say, thank you for all the good things you've done. Let me share with you what's in your account. You're rich and you don't even know it. And so I'm going to talk to you for the next couple of weeks about how to make injections into this account to get rich. And, you know, let me ask you a question. I don't know if I can verbalize this the way I want to, but I'm going to take a swing at it anyway. Um, I tried thinking of it in my mind but earlier this weekend. But imagine you have the option of having, uh, you know, $100 as a kindergarten kid. You're in the kindergarten and you get a hundred bucks. You can have that or you can make a hundred thousand for the rest of your life. But you don't get hardly anything in kindergarten. Which one do you pick? Now what kind of fool kindergarten kids say, I want the hundred dollars now. You can keep the rest of my life salary. That's ignorant. Well, what the, our whole life on earth, if you can imagine, is likened into nine months of kindergarten. And the rest of your life is an eternity. We got to think more about eternity than we do this one little speck, this one little dot on the timeline. Let's attribute, contribute to our account. Now, when God sees you give. He blesses us in ways that blow our mind. Let me give you an example. Every single time you invite somebody to church, every time, and some of you guys brought friends today. So I'm talking directly to you with greater emphasis. But anytime you invite somebody to church, at that moment in the grocery store or at work, God sees that moment. He's like, When I see you, I'm going to thank you in a huge way for inviting that person to church and talking about God and, and encouraging them to have a relationship with me. When I see you, I'm really going to bless you. Watch this. This is how he's going to do it. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of heaven. And those who lead many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. And he's talking about when you get to heaven. So, for example, if you're looking for me in heaven and I invited people to church and I pointed people and encouraged people to have a relationship with God, if you're looking for me in heaven and all of a sudden you're like, where's Frankie, where's Frankie? And you look on top of a mountain peak, you won't really be able to look directly at me. I'll just be really bright. And it's just like, wow, what, what is it? Because I'll shine like a star in heaven. Now, when you get up closer to me, I'm not going to look like I look now. I'm going to have hair like Fabio. <laughs> it's going to be blonde and kind of kinky and kind of dirty, kind of California-ish. I'll never be wearing a shirt. <laughs> I've already talked to God about this, just so you know. 
Just saying, I'm going to have feather earrings hanging down, by the way. Feather earrings, feather earrings. And so God blesses, when he blesses you, it doesn't have an expiration date on it. Let's say I want to do something nice for you. I take you out to lunch today. It's got an expiration date on it. After you got to eat again tonight or tomorrow morning. When God blesses you, when you get to heaven, it has no expiration date on it. It lasts forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That when he is so thankful, he is so full of gratitude that he blesses you you with eternal effects. So that's what he's going to do when you tell people about him and encourage people to be a part of his family. What is he going to do whenever he looks into your account and he sees all that you've given? And there's only a few things that you can give. You can give your time, you can give your resources, and you can give your talents. Those are the only three things you can give. But it goes to your account and he's going to bless you greatly. Do you know what's very interesting is you're going to stand before Jesus one-on-one, but there's another part of heaven where you're not standing just one-on-one. You're actually going to be standing with the rest of us. Imagine an angel going, I need celebration church of the woodlands. Please step forward. Now it's going to be a lot cooler than that, but that's basically what's going to happen at a certain point. All of us are going to be judged by God together as a family. And it's in the Bible. It actually happened to seven different churches in Revelations. God looked down at the entire church. Let me just run through them real quickly. You can read about it on your own in Revelations chapter 2 and, and 3. If you're not familiar with the Bible, it's your lucky day. Just It's the very last book. Boom, you found it. So watch this. One of the churches, that God looked down at this particular church and he says, you guys have endured hardship. You, you've, you've fought the good fight of faith. You fought the good fight of faith. But you have left your first love. You used to love me, and now I'm just at the bottom of the totem pole. He looks at the next church and he says, This church, you guys are going to suffer persecution. Your life is going to be harder than most. But don't fret, I'm with you. The next church, he goes down and he says, This church, all of you, You're just, I'm going to use my own vernacular. You're playing patty cake. You need to repent. You need to repent. The next church, the fourth church, there was a lady in the church that was prophesying and she was a false prophet. In other words, everything she was saying was baloney. She's saying, thus saith the Lord. God said, God wants you to know. And it's all baloney. And God was upset that the pastor and the leadership and the people in the church didn't kick her out. You should get this woman out of here. The the fifth church, he says, you guys have fallen asleep. And what was interesting is they had a reputation of being alive. Man, the music rocks. Man, the lights are cool. Man, but really it was all smoke and mirrors. They had spiritually fallen asleep. And so let me uh, share with the last two. Um, uh, the church of Philadelphia, it says, you guys have endured patiently. And the rest of the chapter talks about how incredibly proud he is of that church. And the very last one was Laodicea, the church that was lukewarm and lacking interest of God. They were showing up, but it's kind of like, man, the Texans playing yet, which I don't know that they've played all season. So don't even, (laughs) 
don't even look at your watch. So as, as a pastor, as a pastor of a church, I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, there's going to be a day where God looks at all of celebration and says, I want to talk to you about what you guys did for me while you're on. And, and I'm going to be kind of like standing there and I don't want to be nervous. Does that make sense? I want to be excited about that moment. And so there's, there's three things that I want our church to be known for. Number one is I would want us to be relentless in our pursuit towards God. I want God to look at us and say, man, you guys had distractions flying over. It was like arrows just going through your life like crazy, but you were laser focused on developing a relationship with me. Man, thank you, Celebration. I love you so much. Don't you want to be known for that when you get to heaven? Just kind of wave at me. Number two is relentless in our aim to make heaven crowded. If you've been coming to church here consistently for the last 12 weeks, you have heard me over and over and over and over talk about the need and the importance and the responsibility of inviting our friends to church. And some of you invited a friend to church today, and I just want you to say the only reason that they invited you is because they really like you and they found a place themselves where they're spiritually encouraged and they want to share it with you. But you cannot find a disciple in the Bible that was a follower and not a fisher. Jesus called people fishers of men if they invited people to follow him. You can, all disciples were fishers, every single one of them. It's a non-negotiable. And so I want people to be in heaven because of Celebration Church. We made heaven crowded. That's what I'm hoping we do. And then the last and final thing that I want us to be known for is that we were relentless in our assignment to be a source of strength. Our church was four years old and I was at a a conference with my wife in, uh, in Mississippi. It's a third world nation. If you've never been there, it's really cool. Uh, we were uh, in Mississippi, and, and I just felt the Lord speak to me while I was sitting there in this conference. I just felt the Lord tell me, I'm going to make you guys, your church, a source of strength. And I just started crying because at the time, uh, we were in the Woodlands High School. We were having trouble paying our bills. Now, in order to be a source of strength, that means that you have enough money for yourself and you have enough money to give away. And at the time, we, did, we were barely having enough money for ourselves to pay the bills, you know, the high school, to pay the high school, to, to put gas in the pickup truck that was taking our, 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 our sound system back and forth from the storage unit. But God always talks about where he's taking you, and he's not nearly as concerned about where you're at. And so... Uh, over the years, our church has gotten stronger and stronger. Just this year alone, many of you have heard me say this, um, we adopted Guatemala, Chio, Guatemala, a village in Guatemala named Chio. We adopted them several years ago, but just this year alone, we sent $30,000 to the pastor in that community to build him a new house. Him and his wife and his three kids have been bathing in a bucket of water uh, for years and years and years. Their home is literally made out of hard mud. I don't know uh, the text. I don't know how they make hard mud, but it's hard mud. And uh, we wanted to put a water tank on top of their roof because this is how they, they do it there to where they can have showers. But he said a water tank on top of a roof would make our walls fall down. Um, and so we haven't, until this year, we just kind of hit this, this, this um, 
wave of momentum because you guys are such great givers. Uh, we were able to send him $30,000 to build him a new home. Now, he is a very important person in Chio because not only is he the pastor, but he oversees this feeding, um, this feeding service for 150, 125, 160, it's different every week, of these children and widows that come there to eat. And so we also sent him $50,000 to go towards their learning center. Um, And we also, many of you, for years you've been sending $10 a month towards Guatemala, uh, and that's how we feed them. Uh, So we've been doing some pretty amazing things. So just in Guatemala, we've sent them $80,000 this year. But uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, again, I just want to say every time I stand up here and say it's tithe and offering time, that's what we're looking to do. We don't want to just pay our bills. We want to make a difference outside of that. It's called being a source of strength. But here recently, we thought, I think we can do more than what we've been doing in Guatemala. I think we can contribute more to our heavenly account. I think that we can do more than what we've been doing. And so we built a relationship months ago with a ministry called Compassion International. Many of you are very familiar with it. They're out in the lobby today. And Compassion International is this, uh, this organization that goes throughout third world countries and, and they help uh, an adoption process take place uh, where Americans um, and, and people that are uh, um, uh, situated in a good place in other countries can literally sponsor and adopt these children. And so before we actually got uh, neck deep in relationship with them, we did a little bit of research to find out exactly how much money do they keep and actually how much money goes to the locals. Have you ever wondered that? You know, whenever you see organizations on TV, you're thinking, how, how much goes to your pocket and how much actually goes to these children that you're putting on the TV? Well, we did some research and 90 cents of every single dollar that they receive goes to the kids. 10, 10 cents, isn't that awesome? Goes to administrative. That's unbelievable. And so we decided we were going to work with them and talk with them. And uh, there was one particular kid that was, he, uh, years ago, he was just uh, changed significantly by compassion. And uh, I want to show you a video of this young man. Take a look at this. Right now, I'm living a dream I never dreamt. I never dreamt of being where I am today. I'm married right now to my beautiful wife, Stephanie, and we sponsor four kids together, two in Kenya, one in uh, Ecuador, and one in Tanzania. There are so many things I've achieved up to where I am today, and it wouldn't be possible if it were not for compassion. My name is Ben Mwangi. I was raised in the slums of Korogocho, the city of trash. What if compassion never happened? What if compassion never came to rescue? Will I be among the statistics of those who die from drug addiction, from diseases? Will I be among the statistics of HIV AIDS in Africa? I don't know what I'll have become. When I was about nine years old, my mom took me to uh, one of the local churches and uh, we found all these other parents also waiting uh, with their kids and uh, 
they took a picture of me and a picture of all the other kids. And later on, I learned that I was chosen to be part of Compassion Program, which was run through the church uh, in Caravaggio. Through Compassion, I started receiving gifts like textbooks, clothes, shoes that I used to go to school with, clean water, food and support for my family. Compassion gave me a place to belong. At times, when I think about it, it's like I joined another gang, a different kind of gang. This was a place where we were taught the word of God. Through compassion, I was able to see beyond Korogocho. There was another world out there. Korogocho was not the end of it. Compassion introduced me to Jesus. It was so encouraging to learn that Jesus had good plans. He had me in his mind when he died on the cross. Compassion gave me hope. Somebody I've never met, somebody I didn't even know, decided to sponsor me to go to college. They sacrificed their resources for me to be able to go to college. And as a result of the sponsorship I received through Compassion, I and my wife right now sponsor four kids. My parents became Christians. My sisters and my brother became Christians as a result of me becoming a Christian. I've been part of the program, I've been a beneficiary of the program, and my life has been changed completely through compassion. And all I can say is thank you for everything. I wouldn't be what I am today if it were not for uh, Christ working through compassion. My name is Ben Mwangi, and I'm alive changed. You know, um, I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but we start planning our services months out in advance. And when we first started talking with Compassion, we saw this video. And uh, we, we said to Compassion, man, one day um, it would be really cool if we could actually meet Ben. Well, today is that day. Ben's here, everybody. Why don't you make him feel real welcome? Why don't you come on up here? Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, have a seat, Ben. And Thank uh, you. Why don't you tell everybody hello before we uh, dive in? Hello. Hi. Where I come from, uh, I say praise the Lord and you all say amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, we are all awake. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I'm very, very happy you're here. Uh, I, I got to meet Ben for the first time this morning. And um, I'm sorry. Um. He, he promised that the second service there will be something, so. Yeah. <laughs> ben, thanks for coming, man. I, <laughs> yeah, was, I forgot again. Um, okay, moving right along. Uh, <laughs> Ben, tell everybody, uh, my, my father-in-law is here, he's, he's from Australia, and sometimes I enjoy um, talking with him, and he tells me you know, what's, what he did when he was a kid, and what life was like, and they played a lot of handball up there, and uh, over there, I should say. Uh, I talk about when I grew up in Houston with him sometimes. What was it like in your neighborhood, just growing up, to kind of try to paint a picture for us, what, what was your neighborhood like? Um... 
I was born in this place called Korogocho, and that's the place I'm mentioning uh, in the video. And the place Korogocho simply means trash. That's the better or closest interpretation of that place. So if I say, uh, Pastor Frank, you look like Korogocho, it's an insult because it simply means you are trash, but I'm just using it as an example. Uh, <laughs> it's just an example. Yeah, it's just an example. <laughs> <laughs> but that's basically w w what it means. Uh, and so uh, on one side of this place, we have the largest dump site. Uh, so like, w for example, if I say uh, college station to home to the Aggies, you know, uh, so this place is the home to the largest dump site in Eastern and Central Africa. All the trash is thrown in this place. And so on one side, that's where uh, people live and the houses are 10 by 10 in size. So literally, which means uh, today my bathroom is bigger than the house I grew up in. And that's basically how life was. And in this place of Kolkorogochi, it's a square mile. Houses are bumper to bumper on each other. Everything is everywhere. It's flowing. So which means people, some people don't have toilets. So what they do, they use what we call flying toilets. And the flying toilets is a paper bag and then shh, you know, it might fall on somebody, but we say wherever it falls. Uh, and so those are the flying toilets, and that's the life, that's the environment where uh, so many kids, so many children, even in 21st century, they are still in this place called Korogocho. Um, it is an environment which is one of the most volatile on earth, of course, after Detroit. Um, and I mean in terms of it's one of the most dangerous places since we have so many gangs. Uh, and these gangs, you, you, you know, sometimes they'll fight amongst themselves or sometimes there'll be inter-conflict between them and the police. And as a result of this, so many young kids, so many young people, uh, teenagers are losing their lives every single day as a result of living in this place. I never chose to be born in Korogocho. If I had a choice, I would have told God I want to be born in somewhere, Woodlands, Texas, you know. Um, <laughs> but it didn't happen. I just found myself in that place. But at the end of the day, I still thank God I was born in Korogocho because he had a purpose, he had a plan that I be born in that place, I be raised in that place, experience whatever I experienced in that place, so that I can give glory to him at the end. And not say that I made it for myself, but he made it through me, and that's where I am here today. Thank you. So um, I'm, I'm envisioning your home being the size of an average-sized bathroom, mm -hmm. um, which is just crazy to me. The entire home is the size of your bathroom. I mean, that's just, it's hard to wrap your head around that. Um, and so Compassion, this, this ministry, this organization, uh, comes into your life. Um, tell, what were some of the things, the tangible things that you say, this, is, this, is, this was the immediate change that I noticed straight away? What would you notice? Well, at first I didn't, I had no idea what my mom was doing by taking me to the church because we never went to the church. So, and then all of a sudden she's taking me to this church. I stood there and they and took and a how picture. Old how old were you at this time? Uh, I was nine years old. Uh, so they took a picture of me and then a few months later I realized things started changing because now I had a pair of shoes, you know, as a young 
child, shoes was not a priority, and you didn't even have the concept of, oh, I'm bare feet or I have a shoe. But now you, ha- you, you, know, you get to realize or notice, oh, I have a pair of shoes now. Uh, you get to realize uh, and see some of these tangible things like, oh, I'm going to school and I have a pair of school uniform. Things which most parents, you know, it might sound as though it's very cheap, school uniform, right? But then people who live under a dollar a day, people who are not able to uh, even feed themselves in a single day, having a pair of school uniform is something huge. It's something big uh, to a child in Korogocho in South America somewhere. It's something big, though it seems, you know, kind of like, oh, just a pair of school uniform? For now, you know, I, I can say, oh, just a pair of school uniform. I can afford that. But then at that point, if you couldn't afford it, if you didn't have the opportunity to have that, then you have it, then you realize, whoa, my life is changing completely. A pair of shoes, just a simple thing. But now you have an opportunity of running, not bare feet, but with a pair of shoes on these broken glasses, and you're not scared of being hurt or being uh, cut by the glasses. You know, it's... Nine years old, and he gets a, a pair of shoes. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, Isaiah's son is, um, what, two days old. And because of Jessica, I'm sure he's probably got like six pairs of shoes. By now, right? <laughs> uh, let, me, let me ask you this question. Um, one of the things about compassion that they, um, that they tout is that you can, if, if an American sponsors you, or what, what I would call adopting you, that um, this person can send you letters and send you pictures and send you gifts. And I don't know if I've just seen too many things, but I get kind of critical. And I'm like, I wonder if that kid's really getting the letter, if he's really, have you guys ever thought that? I wonder if he's really getting the picture. So the family that adopted you from the States, um, did they send you things and did you really receive them? Uh, that's very uh, kind of like sometimes th- when I think about it, I'm like, it's okay to be cynical. It's okay to be skeptical and not. Uh, but the truth is every child that you sponsor, if you're the sponsor, if you're the family that adopts that child, you get to write them and they receive those letters. They, uh-huh. Every letter is taken to that child. And it's not somebody else writing, it is you because you're the only sponsor, you're the only contact person and correspondent in this case between you and that child. You know, compassion is just a medium between you two, but then every letter gets to go to the child. If you write in Houston, Texas accent, it will be translated. Don't worry about that, you know. Uh, so we can write, y'all come back now. Y'all come, ca- yeah. <laughs> Ain't you got none over there, or you know? <laughs> Everything will be translated. You know, don't. don't. Uh, I. Or, uh, <laughs> That's one word, I. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, on, on a side note, I learned my name is Ben. You know, it's prolonged. You know, Ben. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Ben. Yeah, Ben. It's, like, it's spelled B E E E E N. 
Yeah. yeah. So it seems like the vowels are prolonged, yeah. which is which is fine. But <laughs> but don't worry, your letters will be translated. If they write you in whichever language, in this case, I think it's Portuguese. That letter will be translated into your Houston, Texas accent again. So don't worry about that part. And every letter which I received for 14 years from the family that sponsored me, I still have them. I still am keeping them because I got all of them. And my sponsors, they were skeptical. They were like, did you ever receive these letters? And I pulled a whole stack of letters and said, didn't you write all these? And they, they were amazed that I received all those letters. And one of the things which came out from that, those letters was, you know, they, uh, the first letter they wrote me, one of the first letters they told me, oh, uh, I'm an electrical engineer somewhere uh, in Austin, Texas. And so, but they're longhorn, but I'm sorry, I won't do that today. Um, but, but one of the things was they encouraged me through those letters and uh, inspired me. They gave me kind of like hope. Whenever I read through those letters and I reflect onto my life in Coragocho, I think I had something to look forward to. I, I had these letters which said, Ben, we love you. You are one uh, smart young person. Uh, we care for you. Jesus loves you. And these letters encouraged me a lot. You know, despite I not having somebody to inspire me or to challenge me in Korogocho because of the environment, but then I had these letters, these people from Austin, Texas, they wrote me and encouraged me. They kind of like inspired me. They gave me hope, you know, in terms of what kind of letters uh, you receive as a sponsored child. So, so many of these kids might not have been told you know, we, by their parents, we love you, and you know, but then you, you get to tell them, we love you, Jesus loves you, and it really makes a difference in the life of a child. Yeah, now, you said something really cool during the first service, um, that your sponsor um, told you about what an engineer was, and you wanted to be an engineer. Why don't you finish that, uh, that thought? Yeah, f from some of those letters that they wrote me, they told me uh, they were an engineer. They told me what engineering was. And so I wanted to become an engineer. They inspired me, and I wanted to become an engineer. On a serious note, I was working so hard to become an engineer, but then I ended up settling for something less. I became a physicist. So, uh, <laughs> My goodness. Um, tell tell uh, the story real quickly. This guy's got the best stories, you know. But um, uh, when you met the person uh, that was sponsoring you the whole time, t talk about that a little bit. Well, I didn't get to meet them until 14 years later, and this is after I've already gone to college. And because they couldn't pay for my college, somebody else paid for my college. It's because they had uh, three kids who are going to college the same time as me, uh, and so uh, th they were not able to afford taking me to college. But because Compassion has a program called Leadership Development Program, I got a scholarship from Compassion to be able to go to college through that program, but somebody else sponsored me. Uh, but then meeting them, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was an experience I wasn't even looking forward to because I knew, you know, you don't cry as a man, but, but then here we were all bawling, crying, and for them just to see indeed something 
was working. They never met me, but they just sponsored me by faith, picked up a packet like this one. So one, once, so many years ago, I was a packet, um, literally. <laughs> but they sponsored that child by faith, and they dedicated their $38 a month to that child, now me then. Uh, and they never even anticipated what this child will become. And then all of a sudden, they meet this child. He has a bachelor's degree in physics. He's now here in front of us. You know, it's, it was an emotional time. It was an emotional uh, meeting of all of us bowling and crying. But at the same time, it was one of those great moments which we cherish, I and my sponsor family, we cherish each and every single day. You know, sometimes when we are uh, chatting on Facebook, we will chat about it. You know, they will uh, remember my birthday, you know, something you will expect they have forgotten by now. Oh, his birthday was September 3rd. But they always remember that day, uh, my birthday. I remember their birthdays and we get an interaction of sending gifts to each other. So it has become not just a, a, a communication through compassion, but it is a communication and a relationship which has become a lifelong relationship. Not just the sponsorship part, but now here I am, a fulfilled Christian adult, because I don't know, I wasn't a Christian before, but then I became a Christian, and here I am, Christ working through me, and they themselves by telling me Jesus loves you, they didn't know the impact of those words, but then they saw the impact of those words when we met. When we had that meeting somewhere in Atlanta, Georgia, they, you know, you, I could see they, they were now getting it. Oh, we were just sponsoring this child. Now look what God has done through him. And, yeah. and when you were, absolutely. Thank you. And, and, they, they adopted you or became your sponsor when you were nine, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And when you'd receive letters, you could write them back, correct? Yes. And send them pictures and, and things like that. Tell me that's not the coolest thing ever. That is just so cool. All right. This is the last thing, uh, last question. Um, if there's somebody out here and they're saying, okay, I would like to be a sponsor of um, uh, a child, um, but I'm kind of on the fence still. And just so you guys know, uh, you can sponsor a child for $38 a month. And that $38 goes straight to Compassion. The church isn't um, a middleman for any of this. It just goes straight there. Uh, the only thing that the church is doing today is we're just making the opportunity available to you. Because I know a lot of you, you want to make a difference. You just don't know how to do it or where the opportunity is. And so we want to give you the opportunity today. And let me just take this sidebar. If you start giving $38 a week and then something happens and finances become incredibly tight, uh, you just call up a compassion and just say the $38 is a little bit tough right now. And they'll move your child to another family. Um, so I, I don't want fear to keep you from taking that step of faith. Um, but if there is a, a family here that's kind of on the fence um, and they're, they're kind of unsure whether or not they actually want to do this or not, what would you say to them? Uh, honestly, I'll be honest with you. We don't know what these kids will become. You know, uh, here she is on a packet. But just think of this child not as a packet. It's a child. It's a, it's a real person. Uh, somewhere in Brazil, 
And this child is not just a child because God has put so much potential in this child. But then this potential might not be realized if I don't step up in faith and say I'm going to give hope to this child. You know, one of the things I usually say is I've never gone to somewhere in the middle of the Congo and found 90-year-old men fighting wars. It's the kids who are used. It's the child soldiers. It's not grandpa soldiers. It's child soldiers. I've never heard of anything that 80-year-old women are working in a brothel. It's the young kids that are taken and worked in those places. So unless we understand the potential of these kids, the environment will dictate what they become. And we have an opportunity, we have a chance today to be able to change the course of that child's life. Because my sponsors never knew what I'll become. I'll, I'll become. But here I am, you know, uh, today I'm, do, I'm uh, doing my PhD in physics at the University of Colorado. But they never saw that, but God saw that and he used them to give me that opportunity to reach where I am today. And so the same thing will happen to these kids. The four kids I sponsor, I have no idea what they'll become. But I just stepped up by faith and said, I'm going to sponsor these four. Whatever they become, God knows. And so we have an opportunity today, not just of saying, oh, yeah, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do that, but an opportunity of changing the course of a child's life. One of the greatest gifts, and I've said this before, if compassion was to take away everything they gave me in terms of uh, material Christmas gift, birthday gifts, take away all the material things and leave me with one of the greatest gifts they ever gave me, which was Christ, I'll be more than comfortable. And that's what we do. These kids end up becoming Christians. They end up accepting Christ in their lives. And they are more than comfortable with Christ than even the material $38 we send them. That's the ultimate goal, releasing children from poverty. Not because we can, but in Jesus' name. Wow, Thank that's you. awesome. Give Ben a big round of applause. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I, I almost forgot. In the first service, uh, Pastor Frankie said, uh, I'm going to ask my children to pick up two kids. But then when I was looking through, I found twins from Brazil, from the church you partner with. So I decided to bring the kids to you. Oh, wow. So you're going to make me cry up here in front of everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank Thank you yes. very much. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. See, in the first service, um, I told them that I was going to have our little boy and little girl go pick out two kids that they can be brothers and sisters with, and he just brought me the two. Okay. All right. Um, let me, I got to look at my notes now. You knocked me off track. Um, let me show you, uh, we, when we called Compassion, we just said, we don't really have, you know, uh, a country or a nation in mind. Where do you guys need us? And they told us that they need us in Brazil. So that is going to be the community that we, uh, we adopt. And we've got some pictures here of some of the kids there. Um, this is their home. This is where they live. Uh, this is not a shed in their backyard. This is the whole family lives there. 
Um, and so this is going to be the, the community that, uh, that we adopt. Um, and while we were studying up on this community, the average family makes $6 a day. And um, in our world, um, that's Starbucks. Um, you know, that's, that's one Starbucks. And so um, the other thing is uh, we backed up and, and we told them, okay, our church is going to adopt or become sponsors of, of this cluster of kids. And, um, uh, but how do you teach them? And so Compassion said, well, we, we build these learning centers and inside of the learning center, um, and we started trading notes, it's much like what we're doing in Guatemala, but uh, inside these learning centers, uh, they teach them, they educate them, math and science, reading, and then they, um, they teach them the Bible, and then number three is they feed them and clothe them. Um, and so I asked them, I said, well, how much does it cost to build that learning center? And Compassion said, well, it's just in, it depends on where you're going to build, but because there's 75 kids in the village that we're focusing in on, it's going to take a little bit less than $10,000 to build this learning center. And so in the conversation, we said, okay, look, um, bring the children in the village on Sunday morning, put them out on the table, let our church adopt the children and individually but corporately will build the learning center so we wrote a check three months ago to build that learning center so all of your kids now have a learning center that we paid for together doesn't that feel good doesn't that feel good now uh we also have this uh this other agreement with compassion we say okay look we just built a learning center uh, we're building a learning center we just adopted these kids can you make it easy for us to meet these children? And so in 2015, the second half of 2015, we haven't got the date yet, but they're going to organize a missions trip for us to be able to go and see our kids. Doesn't that sound good? Isn't that exciting? Absolutely. Uh, why don't you come on up, uh, Isaiah? And uh, I want to just share this last and final thought. Uh, I was reading this book a few months ago, and I wish I could, I could uh, share it with you and recommend it, but I can't remember the, uh, the, the title, because, because I have the gift of ADD, a deeper dimension, um, uh, I can't read just one book because I get bored, so I read like five books all at the same time, but then when I go back to find out where it's at, I have no idea where it was, but and an, a great author in a great book that I recently read uh, said that if you're ever in the middle of making a difficult decision, and he gives this long list of difficult decisions, family, financial, you know, whatever, professional, he says, fast forward in your mind five years and look back on this moment, and what will you wish you did? Um, and that's how you make, uh, that's one of the ways you can make um, tough decisions. And uh, I just want to say $38 in this world to most of you uh, is a lot of money. And I'm not trying to minimize that. Um, but what I'd like for you to do is to consider not going to Chili's one time a month. Um, I'd like for you to consider that. Or whatever luxury you can cut out, that's about 40 bucks, And adopt a child. 
And uh, if you never get to meet that child until you're in heaven, um, it'll be one of the things in life that you just back up and go, wow. And just so you know, you don't adopt them until they're 97 years old. You You adopt them until they graduate high school. Um, and then, um, and then you come up with a new agreement on whether or not you can help them go to college or not. Um, but in Ben's case, the family could help him get to high, get through high school for thirty-eight dollars a month, but couldn't help with college. And another family stepped in. Um, so uh, I just want to encourage you. And I don't have all the answers, but compassion is out in the lobby, and they'll be able to answer all your questions. 